the Bible reading for this morning will come from Philippians 1, 12 to 18. You can find it on page 1,826. Yes? Preschool to grade one, two, go to Sunday school? <laughs> Please? Thank you. Starting at verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. People of God, isn't it great to see these young people professing their faith? It's just such an exciting thing to see and be part of as we gather this morning as church. That by the Spirit, God works in their hearts to bring them to this point, And that their faith is a living faith, a growing faith. And that's also why we ate the, and drank together from the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is is a meal, and you need to eat something if you're going to live. If you don't eat, you're going to die. And so also with our faith. Now the portions of the Lord's Supper are small. You just receive a little bread and a little wine. But they have a large meaning, a big, meaty, juicy kind of meal of love, a double helping of grace, gravy, and forgiveness on the side. It's a meal for the soul, strengthening and nourishing us. And so, in the service this morning, too, we can go forward in the confidence of our faith, seeking to do the work of the Lord, seeking to live out His will in our lives. And the title, too, Living Out the Good News of Christ. That's how we go forward in faith. Now this morning I want to just take a moment, think about profession of faith in the terms of when and then thinking. The question might be, when you make profession of faith here, then what happens? Then what difference does it make? And so sometimes the thought goes this way, sometimes the thinking is a little off, the thinking is, when I make profession of faith, then no more troubles. 
All is fine in my life from here on. That sometimes gets translated into a sense of, well, okay, now I'll be healthy forever. Now I'll be wealthy. Now everything will be perfect, fine for me all the time. To profess our faith in Jesus is to recognize that that's not what it means. To profess your faith in Jesus is to also hear these words of Jesus in this world, John 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. There will be troubles of different kinds. That's the way it will be. But Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And that's, that's profession of faith. And that greater, deeper, fuller, richer understanding of what it means to live and serve the Lord. And we see that this morning in our reading from Philippians 1 verse 12. In Philippians 1 verse 12, it's a, about joy and it ends there too. I rejoice. I will continue to rejoice. But did you notice three times it mentions chains? And it's not talking about like the nice little chain the ladies wear with a pendant and it's just, just lovely. It's talking about actual heavy chains. Do you remember where Paul was as he was writing this letter to Philippians? We talked about it uh, two weeks ago. We were talking about this. He was in prison. Do you know how long he's been in prison? Well, a couple days, maybe a few weeks. Jesus wouldn't leave him in prison very long. He's been four years in prison, four years as a follower of Christ. Prison is not a nice place. He was two years in Caesarea and two in Rome. What was his terrible crime? He professed his faith. That was his crime. He stood up and professed his faith, and they threw him in prison for four years. Well, that's not why I profess my faith. He's preaching the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. For this, he's considered a high-priority prisoner. He's assigned to have a guard chained to him 24 hours a day. That's why chains come to mind. Squad, a squad of four guards took six-hour shifts. It's like Peter in Acts 12, verses 4 to 6. After arresting Peter, Herod put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers even, bound with two chains. So this, this is Paul's situation as well. This is his reality as he writes about chains. He has them on his arms and legs. And there's a big burly guard, palace guard, attached to the other end, right beside him, for two years. So, so that's in Rome. So he has, he has every reason to be bitter to be not joyful. 
This is not what he signed up for when he professed his faith. He could easily be thinking some when and then thinking. When I get out of here, then I'll be happy and be able to minister for Jesus. But not now. But he says right in the hard circumstances, I rejoice. How is that possible? How can he say that? Think of those chains again. He has a faith perspective. His professing his faith has made a huge difference in how he even sees this very difficult situation. He says in verse 12, what has happened to me, and he's talking about the prison and the chains, has really served to advance the gospel, the gospel of Jesus. This is a faith perspective that makes all the difference. And that is truly seeing Jesus at work in his life. And it's amazing in this passage. Let me just point out to you a few things. Paul is in prison. Where is he in prison? In Rome. You need to recognize that ever since Paul was converted, ever since Paul Paul stood up after that Damascus Road experience. He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to be right there. And he's there. He wanted to go to Rome because Rome is the center of the empire. Rome is dominating Israel and and, and Jerusalem and things. But he wanted to go to Rome because in Rome, that's the center of the empire. And then Though all roads lead to Rome, all roads lead away from Rome. And so the gospel could go out. If you could bring the gospel in Rome, the good news of Jesus, then, then it, would, it would go throughout the whole empire to places where he could never get to. He could never go. And that was his, his desire, just to serve, serve the Lord Jesus wherever he could, in whatever way he could, and so to be in Rome, to go to Rome, and so to be in Rome is an answer to his desire. God honors it and brings him to Rome. As a prisoner, not exactly what he expected, but his desire to honor God, he sees, he sees that worked out. He sees Jesus at work in this. And so for us even going forward in our lives and things happen and it might not exactly happen how we would want, still to see God at work in every situation is a center of deep-rooted joy and assurance. So that, first of all, he sees Jesus in prison in Rome. The second thing... In verse 13, it talks about the palace guard. The palace guard. God saw to it that Paul was designated an important prisoner. He, he could have been among murderers and thieves in, in some low prison somewhere, but he was designated an important prisoner, and so he was kept in the palace compound and guarded by the palace guard a place where he would never, ever, ever have been able to get in or be in. And so that designation, he is in chains for Christ, but he is in the palace compound 
the complex of Caesar in Rome. And so he says that he's in chains for Christ. Verse 13, he sees by faith that instead of being captive, he has been given a captive audience. The sense of, am I chained to this guard? No, this guard is chained to me. And now what do I do in this situation? Do I complain? Do I sulk? Do I say nothing? With joy, he ministers to those guards every day. It's like a six-hour Bible study with a guard. You come in. Sit down. Chain yourself to me. (laughs) We're going to talk about things of faith. We're going to talk about why I'm here. We're going to talk about who God is. And so he turns it right around. Instead of saying, when I get out of here, then I'll be able to preach and teach the gospel. He had one-on-one for six hours every day. Do you know about God? Do you know about Jesus? And, and I'm sure he worked that into knowing their names, asking about the work situation, asking about their family situation, their worries. They were ordinary people. They had struggles. They had uncertainties. And he built the truth of the gospel into their hearts and lives, a message of love and grace. Not a when and then, but a here and now. Here and now, I see God at work in my life. And I'm going to say, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to share the hope that I have. And that's the same today with the profession of faith, a reminder to all of us to reach out to minister to those around us. Tomorrow, you, where you're working, where you meet people, simply, kindly, lovingly, graciously say, I'm a follower of Jesus. He is my hope. And God gives you those opportunities and you can take them trusting in him. At work, at school, in the neighborhood, even in difficult situations in the hospital, Jesus gives us opportunity to share his love. What else is God doing here? When you handle the hard circumstances in faith, that's what Paul is doing. He's in a hard place, no doubt. Nobody would want to be there. But he handles it in faith. So what happens, verse 13? To the unbelievers, to those who see him responding to this situation, it says they are responding. It says for everyone here in the palace, The whole palace guard and everyone else knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. They think they're quite sure that there were over a thousand palace guards. A thousand men worked through and shuffled through and protecting the, the, the Caesar's family and everything else. But that whole group, he says the whole palace guard knows about Christ. 
between my telling them one at a time and they telling each other, oh, there's this guy in prison. We're chained to him. He keeps talking, but it's amazing what he says. And I think it's true. And one says it to the next. And maybe they're volunteering. I'd, I'd like to do my duty with Paul, please. Yeah, please. I'd like to be there. I don't know. You wonder how it went. It went amazing is how it went. And he says the whole palace guard and everyone else. There's just this one guy. He's sitting in prison for years. But God is doing amazing things. And so he sees that. He recognizes that. It's nothing he can do. He's simply trying to be faithful. Every day he's trying not to be depressed. He's trying not to get discouraged. And he's working with these guys. I'm sure he had his ups and downs, no doubt. But his assurance, his faith, God is at work, even in the hard times. To see that and to be even a humble witness there is very powerful. Number four, verse 14. A faithful witness like this is also an encouragement to believers. He said, because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians... So those, yeah, in Rome have become more bold in telling others about Christ. So there again, he has some contact with the outside. He hears about other Christians. They hear about what God is doing with him, and they are encouraged. And so that reality, we understand that because this morning when you see seven people standing here confessing their faith, then you are encouraged. That's how it goes. You say, wow, look what God is doing. Praise the Lord. I, I'm encouraged. So that sense of going forward in faith, that sense of encouragement is also here. We also saw it a few days ago in the group itself. I just wanted to mention the group. Uh, they met with counsel and, and we had a good interview and then they... They were relieved afterwards, and then we met in the hallway, right? And we were just talking a little bit about this service. And then they answered some tough questions, but I, I gave them the toughest question. I said, who is going to share here this morning? Oh, 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 I don't know, I don't know. And then the bravest among them, Ryan, Ryan Spear, he said, I'll do it. But then, but then his hand was like this, he said, but someone else has to join me. <laughs> and he was thinking of Philippians 1 verse 14. That one believer encourages another. And so then, then Aaron said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I said, okay. And then Diana and Karina said they would share. And so we encourage each other. And that, that is so vital. That is so important to see and to be part of that that in our lives as Christians too, as, as we come alongside each other, as we share our faith together, you're never alone. The Lord is with you and, and together we share our hope, our trust. And so that reality continues to work itself out, I think, too, in the, the testimonies that were shared. You heard two of them. Uh, each person had a, prepared a testimony and in their testimony, too, they, they shared the names of people, other Christians, family members, friends, church members, who had been an example to them, 
who had encouraged them in the faith. So, so sometimes you wonder, am, am I really helping? Am I really working, uh, tying into these people's lives, uh, youth ministry, any other kind of ministry? You wonder, even parents sometimes wonder, am, am I a good witness to my children? Yes, yes, as you are faithful. There's, there's weaknesses, no doubt. But the example is strong, it's clear. As you put your trust in God, they also are encouraged. And so Paul saw that as well. And as he did so, he was encouraged in the faith. Finally, I want to close with, uh, with one verse. At the end of the letter, the final greetings. See, Paul is in prison in Rome, and he's writing to the church in Philippi. That's what he's doing. And at the end, verse 4 or chapter 4, verse 22, he sends this word. He says, All the saints here in Rome send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So within two years, actual family members of Caesar, the God King of Rome, believe in the true God. And that's, that's what... That's what Paul had in mind. That's the sense of the power of God at work. That's the sense of, of through the guards, through others, that they came to know about Paul, they came to know especially about Jesus, and they believed. Even in that sense, the amazing work of God, in which we can rejoice. That continues to be God's work in, in amazing ways to our faithful witness. So this morning again, when and then, when you live out your faith, then you will see God at work in the good times, in the hard times, all the time. That great truth we see here and now, and we take it to heart. Amen. We're going to respond to God's word by singing, Be Thou My Vision.